Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where you know all month long we are counting down the end of this glorious year. It has been such an amazing year. I'm going to only use positive terms for 2020, <laughs> but there are things we can do to make sure we feel like we have a little bit of control and we can do things right now to help us make that mental shift for when the calendar flips over, can we also be flipping over our minds a little bit? And my guest today is going to help us do that and, and her background is going to be exceptional for us to think about how we actually, you know, have our message, what message we're putting out there. So her name is Margie Agan, and she is, get this, an award-winning marketer. She helps B2B technology companies discover what makes them unique and find the words to say it, which regardless of, you know, what kind of company it is, we all need that kind of advice. <laughs> I know I struggle that with that sometimes too. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, uh, how long do you have? She's also the, tr the uh, founder and chief strategist of Centerboard Marketing. It's a marketing agency based in the DC area and author of Brand Breakthrough, How to Go Beyond a Catchy Tagline to Build an Authentic, Influential, and Sustainable Brand Personality. So now I just want to hit a couple other points of her bio here. Before she founded this company, she led demand generation efforts for the educational technology company Blackboard, which is massive, and digital marketing for video conferencing leaders. Leaders, Tanberg and Cisco. So she's got some good connections and obviously uh, has something well worth saying. So first of all, Margie, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I love just to hit the highlights of people's bio, but let you tell the story a little bit better. So tell us a little bit about you, your business, and how you help your clients to shock their potential. Sure. So um, I started Centerboard about eight years ago. Um, after being an in-house marketer, as you mentioned, um, for smaller companies that grew really fast and then larger companies that were kind of facing challengers in the market, mm -hmm. right? So I've sort of seen both sides of, of large companies and small companies and everywhere in between. Um, and then I decided kind of break out on my own, um, I kind of got kicked out of the nest, to be honest, in that I, <laughs> I went through a Fly. layoff period. Fly. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. I yep. went through a layoff period at Blackboard that, um, you know, they were sort of consolidating and I had thought about being an entrepreneur for a long time, um, but just hadn't really taken the leap. 
And so I started this business kind of slowly, um, kicking and screaming. <laughs> and um, I love your honesty with that. Yeah, I know, and I know exactly I said, how you feel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've really grown to love essentially, you know, building my own stable of clients, working with um, companies that are going through a lot of change, and. I don't need to kind of keep the trains running at the same time that they're trying to do something new. So mm -hmm. a lot of the companies that I work with are entering a new market, um, changing the target audience that they're trying to reach, launching a new product. Um, and the internal team is often very challenged, right, by taking on that mm -hmm. additional project as well as being responsible for you know, keeping the pipeline of leads and, you know, doing their, their day-to-day -day work. Uh, so that's where I come in. And I kind of sit at the sweet spot, I guess, of sort of product marketing, the product team, um, and then marketing and sales. So mm -hmm. I will, I'll take kind of a new, often complex uh, technical product and figure out how to message that story with much more simple language value-based language for an external audience, customers and, and partners, um, and kind of sit in between those different functions within an organization so that the salespeople are armed with something that they can then take to market and share with their customers. It's so important. It's so funny you say that because I actually have been doing the very same thing for my company this year. So like I shared with you right before we started taping, you know, prior to COVID, 95% of my business income came from me getting on an airplane. Mm -hmm. And obviously the airplanes were not flying. And if they were, there was no one sitting in the audience for me. <laughs> and so, yes, there's been a lot of things that I've done virtually, but um, the, the whole system has changed. So, you know, this time last year, I was really a B2B organization and uh, with hopes and intents to build, um, to create an app for training that would be, you know, a B2C, but it was always kind of one of those things I knew I wanted to do. Well, when everything hit, I had to switch immediately. And so we began building the app and we launched it in, in, uh, in August and, or I guess July, we logged it, uh, launched it in July. And it's been successful, but not as successful as it needs to be. And we haven't really started advertising. This has just been through word of mouth. And so we've been using this almost as the um, beta test on it. But what I'm finding really tricky is the story that I had before for my B2B clients mm -hmm. is so much different than going from B2C. And I haven't gotten the story down right to, you know, to get people to see what I'm trying to do. How do you help your clients to, you know, to make those mind shifts and help them to not only help you create the story mm -hmm. um, for them, but help them embrace the story? Yeah, I think one of the common pitfalls that a lot of technology companies fall into is that they get very excited about the tech, right? Mm -hmm. And the features and the bits and the bytes and all the cool stuff it can do, mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, they spend a lot of time on those things and they want to talk about that. But that's, that's not the piece that gets customers excited, right? Because right. customers care about themselves. They right just don't, they don't care about you and all the work you've put into building the product. They care about their own pain and their own struggles. So by flipping the script a bit and really showing them that you understand the challenges that they're going through, right? And 
specifically how they're going to measure success. Mm -hmm. So what they, what they will value is not how cool the product is and you know, they, it turns things green or, you know, it, (laughs) it's easy to install. Right. So, so what I do uh, to the, sometimes I'll take a conversation, say with a, with a product leader, right. Or a developer an engineer who's very excited about talking, you know, about a product. And then I'm the one that comes in and says, so what? Right. I, yeah. I think of myself as sort of in, in the chair of the customer, being the advocate and the voice for the customer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll say, well, it's really easy to install. Right. And then you say, well, so what? <laughs> so that means that it, it means they can get started more quickly. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Okay. So why does that matter? Well, that means that they can start seeing the benefits from the product sooner rather than later. Oh, so, okay, why does that matter? Because then they'll be able to, you know, justify the cost and they'll be able to, um, you know, get their money back right away, as opposed right. to waiting six months or having a product sit on a shelf that you spent money for and then never used, right? So uh, taking that story, sort of digging into it and, and um, taking it to its ultimate conclusion, which is, well, how does this actually benefit the customer? Right. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a little work to sort of unpack the product features and get to the part that matters. That is so true. In fact, it's so funny as you're talking about this, because number one, I'm thinking about it all myself. Like I was so excited with the app because I'm like, look how cool my logo looks on there. Right. Uh, yeah, doesn't I think, matter. honestly, doing it yourself, I mean, now that I've been at my own business owner, right, and I've had to turn it around and try to on explain yourself. my own business to people, I, I have much more empathy <laughs> for my clients. <laughs> it's a lot easier to look at somebody else's business and say, aha, I know what your problems are and where you should focus. But when you look at yourself, you're like, but, 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 but what about this? You know, uh-huh. what about that? And a, a lot of the work is sort of clearing <laughs> away all those preconceptions and all the baggage that you bring to it. And sometimes it does take an external person to, to do that. It really does. And as you say, unpack too. So my, my first book, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, it's called Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees. It's all about asking that question and in the format of tell me more. Tell me what, so instead of saying, so what, I'm saying, tell me more. So when somebody has an issue, you're like, tell me more until they get the whole issue. They've unpacked. I literally have a picture of an overstuffed suitcase in there until they've unpacked (laughs) all the pieces and they go, oh, so I, cause I always have this theory, you know, like if you've ever, you know, packed a suitcase so full that you had to sit on it to try and zip it, but it won't zip. Well, you have to either take some things out. Mm-hmm. take it all out, rearrange it, leave some behind, pack an extra suitcase, pack it better, you know, you, but until you see all those pieces. So as you're yeah. talking, I'm like, oh, come on, Sherlock, you know the answer to your question. Just <laughs> do the same process. <laughs> hmm, I love having people <laughs> remind me of my own stuff. <laughs> you're right. It's so much easier to do it for other people, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love it then um, when you get your clients to this point and they have those aha moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, you know, that must be very satisfying, but it must also, you know, be an interesting process with them. So, you know, what kind of reactions do they have as you walk them through? Do you get a lot of people that go, oh, that makes sense? Or do you have still people that want to resist and maybe hold on to the, you know, features mm-hmm. and, you know, the tech data, the things that are important to them, like, you know, having your logo look cool when you open up the app? 
Yeah. Um, all of those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all of those things. So, you know, I guess I would say if the more that the data and, and the feedback comes directly from customers or potential mm -hmm. customers, right, the more they tend to believe it. Oh, yeah, right? that's true. Um, so one of the first pieces that I do in kind of a, a marketing messaging um, or rebranding type of exercise is talk to customers. Mm -hmm. And I try to talk to one customers and I've tried to talk to lost customers, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people don't do and potential customers. And, um, it, you know, kind of, it doesn't have to be 10,000 people, right? If it's a right. large, you could do a survey, but sometimes even, you know, 10 really interesting conversations brings up enough qualitative research that you, you get sort of a, a pattern and a direction. Yeah. And so when you show a company, you know, this is what your customer said to me, um, it, it carries more weight than just my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's, yeah, that's one piece. And, and I do think, you know, in the sales process, there is a place for the features and the, um, you know, the tech specs of a mm -hmm. product. It's just not at, often in the top of funnel or middle of funnel part of the sale. Right. Mm -hmm. So we still have to know those things and we still have to sort of put them in context, though, of when somebody wants to talk about them. And maybe it's after the business champion has, you know, really bought into the value of the product. And then there's another meeting where they bring in the technical person and the technical person says, well, what about, you know, security mm -hmm. or what about, you know, integration? And then, you know, you need to bring in those things and you need to speak mm -hmm. to them and um, prove them out. Um, but from the top of funnel sort of sales conversations, it, it's important to build that trust and get people excited about the product value before we just start doing a deep dive into the specs. Yeah, it's interesting because right now I am, uh, I was looking at some different software that is for, um, like I use one software right now that's kind of for my CRM and they've got landing pages and there's, you know, lots of yeah. different ways to build campaigns and I like that, but I'm looking for something a little bit different that, you know, is more maybe almost like a lesson plan kind of format. So I've been um, looking at a couple that people have, have uh, suggested to me and I had several people recommend this one uh, company. And when I went on to, you know, look at their website and, you know, try and get an idea of the program. I mean, if I didn't know what I knew about it already, I wouldn't understand it from their, mm -hmm. from their landing page, from their main, you know, website, because I was like, okay, well it does this, but does it do anything else? Does it do anything that I'm getting from this other company? And it was, it's really been interesting because I keep thinking, how come so many people have really liked this yet? I don't have a sense of connection with this company and how it's going to really solve my problems. I mean, they have a really pretty, you know, pricing spreadsheet that shows you X, Y, and Z, and here's the most popular, and this is why it's the middle of the range. Right. And I understand all the psychology of that marketing piece. It makes sense, but all the features that are in there don't talk to me at my level of a business. And yet they're directly going after people like me, smaller, you know, training companies, entrepreneurs, um, that, that they have to make that decision. And it's interesting to me, like I, so I just haven't, you know, even done the free trial because I don't feel compelled enough to it. Right. And there's always this part of my sales background and marketing background that goes, I just want to call them and say, you guys really need to work on this. I know. <laughs> Because I'm getting direct re recommendations, referrals for you. For you. Free advice. <laughs> yeah. I'm having people yeah. say I should use you and I still can't pull the trigger on a two-week free trial. So, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, building that emotional connection um, is not just a B2C thing. You know, mm-hmm. B2B buyers are still people. Yeah. And they're not robots. And, and you know, they often have their spreadsheet that they need to, you know, tick all the boxes and they've got an RFP or something where they need to, you know, make sure that the product does certain things and has certain features, as you said, right. capabilities, especially if they've tried out one of your competitors or they're thinking of switching, you know, they, they're smart and they know what they're looking for, yep. but to even earn their attention, right. To get to that short list, to get to that point, um, you have to sort of build trust and mm-hmm. earn the fact that they'll they're willing to listen to you and hear their hear your story right yep. so that emotional connection is still is important with a b2b audience and what i've found i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of data out there that increasingly com- people don't trust brands right they mm-hmm. just don't trust companies um, cause we burned them <laughs> with like yeah. over marketing to them and, you know, not necessarily standing behind their promises and, mm-hmm. all, you know, maybe not handling their personal data so well, like, you know, yeah. people have a lot of issues with, with brands, but yeah. they do trust people and, and personal connections with people. So, I mean, the fact that you had recommendations from other people that you trust went a long way to at least you going and checking out the company, right? Right. But if that company could almost behave more like a person, and this is sort of the, the connection to the, the brand personality, is it, your company has a personality also. Mm-hmm. You're, when, you're, when you kind of present your company as, um, you know, more transparent and, more like a person in many mm-hmm. ways, um, then you can kind of build a relationship between your company and, and your customers and kind of close that distance, close the trust gap so that you're, you're walking hand in hand with them as they make their decisions along the way. Right. And really watching for it. Cause it's interesting, you know, I've gotten some follow-up, um, you know, emails from them, but not really to the level of, you know, questioning me, like what might be keeping me from, you know, moving mm-hmm. forward. And, you know, and I expect those things nowadays. And I think to your point, you know, that can get overwhelming and you can get too much, you know, marketing mail. But I think there's so much opportunity to be smart in marketing now and really target the right person. So if I click, clicked on this one page, you know, three times, right. you know, that should tell you something about me. You know, <laughs> if I clicked on the pricing, you know, page four times, that should tell you that I'm actually considering it. What am I asking, you know, and really have some more um, strategic marketing initiatives in place, especially for a company that's supposed to also be helping you, you know, with that marketing automation. I don't know, just good thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you another question. So for, you know, this series that we're doing in in, uh, December all month long is about helping people kind of wipe the slate in in and of itself uh, for 2020 and feel like they can go into 2021 with some freshness and uh, feel like we're leaving at least psychologically some of this crazy year behind. So do you have any tips or advice for my listeners and viewers to help them make that transition? Yeah, I think about that a lot. It's actually somewhat similar to the conversation we were having earlier about the suitcase, right? Mm-hmm. The stuffed suitcase and starting to unpack some of that. I love that analogy. <laughs> um, and I often talk about the hamster wheel, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we're all pressured to do more, right? And produce more, spend more time calling, send more emails to people, right? And I, I work with a lot of companies that create content, right? Mm -hmm. Blogs and white papers and websites. So it's about 
creating, you know, creating more content, more, more, more. And that, I mean, that used to be the message essentially that we sent, which was, um, you know, you never know when the customer is going to have that day when suddenly your email is the one they open. So you have to hit them every day <sighs> or, you know, from a content perspective, Google loved volume mm-hmm. right? over the course of, of search engine optimization and how it's evolved. It w- used to be more of a volume game, yeah. but that has changed um, both in terms of what customers are willing to put up with and also the search engine aspect of it. Um, it has shifted to much more of a quality game than a mm-hmm. quantity game, right? So, you know, in fact, 60% of content is never even used. So we're, and yet we're continuing to create more. Mm-hmm. So, and if for a typical website that I see, this is true across the web, but even for a typical business website, maybe 5% of the content is responsible for 95% of the traffic. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yep. So there's these pages that people, people care about most that we should put more attention into, right? And yet we're continuing to just sort of build more and more and more. And we've got this iceberg under the surface of content that no one ever looks at, no one ever maintains, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and yet it's weighing us down in the same way that your suitcase analogy is, is impossible to pick up, right? Yeah. So this is a really good time as we're kind of heading into our plans for 2021, kind of take a step back, really gather some data on what's working and what's not. Um, you know, find if it's content, you know, find those unicorn pieces that are really working, right? Or if you're, if you're a salesperson, you know, and you've got a bunch of different tools in your tool bag, you know, what is the script that's working and double down on that? You know, we don't have to keep creating more and trying more things. Let's focus on the thing that's working best and hone it and test it more. Um, also talk, you know, talk with your customers here, all the things that are on their mind and find the one thing that the one piece of pain that they're having and double down on that and explain why you're the one to help solve that pain and not try mm-hmm. to be everything to everybody. That's so, that's so good. And I, you know, this is a really good time of year to do that is, mm-hmm. you know, kind of really say, you know, just like we're, you know, you're starting to you know, work on all your finances and get them tidied up for the year and plan budgets for the next year. Not just kind of cleaning house, you know, financially or even aligning a budget for the next year, but really taking time to say what is working. Let's only work with what's working. (laughs) If we don't, if nothing's working, let's test some new things, but not (laughs) continuing on the hamster wheel with the things that we're doing just because we've always done them. I'm actually doing that right now. We are, you know, we had a really good strategy that worked to get our YouTube channel to, you know, 300 people. Well, getting from 300 to 500 is a totally different number. And, um, and the, what was working that we thought that got us to 300 is not working really well to get us to 500, you know, and the, you know, the ultimate goal is the next one's a thousand. So you got all these goals, but it's very interesting to sit back and say, okay, why did that work then, but it's not working now? Well, we need to analyze it and we need to adjust. And, and uh, as we move that strategy, it's, I think some of the hardest part of that is getting over your own, you know, fear of getting off the hamster wheel because that at least kept you moving. But also <laughs> a little bit of when you have to recognize that, it's a little bit of an ego hit to know, ah, oh, so that isn't working. You know, when you have to really look at stuff and say, it isn't working. 
you got to be able to, to embrace that and not be afraid of it. Otherwise you become a dinosaur, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I, recognizing change. Yeah. Right? The, whether you like it or not, like when I got sort of kicked out of the nest right? <laughs> or when you've got, you know, your customers are changing, whether, yeah. whether you want them to or not. Right. And yeah. You're, so checking back in with them and seeing, you know, how have their lives changed? Um, and you have to adapt to the sort of new reality, which we've all been doing, you know, over yep. the last six months. Um, and we just simply cannot do everything. We have to you leave some things behind. I have a question for you that just popped in my head when you're like, you know, you question, the customers are changing. And a lot of it is also, you know, how everybody has to decide where they're going to have um, expenditures now. Mm-hmm. And there have been a couple of... Um, uh, business tools and resources that we have used as a company that I decided to drop over the last few months, uh, mostly because we weren't really using them and, or that we found something better that worked better for us. So we were transitioning, but in every single case, every single case, once I hit that delete, you know, please delete our account. I get an email that like says, will you stay if we reduce the price from whatever? (laughs) And I had one, I had one that I was paying, um, $27 a month for and they said, would you do it for $12 a month? And, you know, frankly, I was kind of offended because I'm like, so if you're going to just drop it to right. keep me, why didn't you like proactively come and say, we know it's a really tough time if you're, you know, if you're concerned about it, you know, let us know because it makes me want to go through and like almost threaten to cancel everything to see how much I could reduce, yeah. which I'm not going to do. But what do you think of that strategy? Yeah, I, th- I think it works really well with your cell phone company. <laughs> that's that true. That I, game. I did that a few months ago after I right. broke my other cell phone. I did. I'm like, Hey, I'm shopping around now. I mean, I've right. been with you guys for like 20 for some most years. Part, those are commodity type products that are mostly based on price. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, as a, as a primary driver, right. And, and really nobody wants, no company wants to be in that position where it's a race so a race to the bottom, right? If you're starting yeah. to compete on price as a commodity product. So, yeah. um, you know, other differentiators are, are worth more money if, <laughs> if they hit the value point of the customer, right? Um, right. So, you know, I think though that um, what I've seen over the last several months as pipeline has dried up, people are afraid to make maybe new investments and take the risk. Um, mm-hmm. So sales are pipeline is slower, I should say, yeah. or maybe dried up, right? That um, suddenly people are, companies are also realizing that their existing customers, right, are sort mm-hmm. of a source of new re- new potential revenue, but also there they there's more importance placed on not losing the existing customer base, right, right. And, you know, if for comp- often, I think salespeople and marketing people are really incentivized on the new deal, right? The demand generation side, and that's yeah. kind of what gets our juices going too. Yeah, to, right. Get We're those hunters. endorphins. Yep. <laughs> we like close the, the deal. Close day. the deal. Close the deal. Yeah. Yeah, um, and companies don't always put the same, you know, compensation or the same emphasis on making sure existing customers are happy. Yep. Right. So I think now um, I've been seeing a lot more kind of programs and not just incentives, but just communication 
um, mm -hmm. and added value for existing customers to make sure that they are happy and satisfied and retained. Um, and, you know, I don't know that the compensation packages are, you know, <laughs> reflecting that, but certainly from a, from an overall company perspective, you know, that's just as important, if not more important, because, you know, showing your existing customers that during this whole time that you're, that you're there for them, um, you know, is going to build some long-term customer satisfaction that hopefully they, they won't switch when it's time for them to make a new decision. It's funny you say that you're talking about that, about compensation models too, because it reminded me of a job that I had a while ago. And when I came on board, you know, so my, my performance was rated on bringing in new business, but they handed me all the old business, including, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost business. So customers that have already left. And so I thought, you know, to my point, I'm going to learn more about this business and this company by talking to the people who left us, which is what I did. Right. I just started calling them and said, hey, I knew you were a client with us for a long time and you're no longer. Tell me what happened. And people would open up to me. And in the first six months, I brought back almost $300,000 in lost revenue. And they didn't want to give me my bonus because I didn't bring in new clients. Mm -hmm. And I said, whoa, we're going to stop and talk about this right now. These people were out and not having any yeah. money for over two years. So they're going to count, which yeah, by the way, blows, happy. yeah, that <laughs> blows my target way out of the water. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You're right. And, but I mean, they hadn't thought about it and I had to fight for it. Cause I'm like, this is new business. You lost this. Somebody lost this. It was not me, but I got it back. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then after that, it was like, there was no question, but a lot of people do, they're chasing after that. And you incentivize that for that, for the new business, instead of realizing how vital the, your, you know, your true foundation of your business is on your existing customers. So if you screw it up with them and you lose them, you, then you got to yeah, really shake your foundation. Yeah, then word gets out on the street, right? The, yeah. The, so, and then that feeds back into your potential to get to get new revenue. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, I've seen a lot of companies. We have. I have one ed tech company that I work with that um, sells to schools, right? And schools are honestly so overwhelmed right oh, now, yeah. and that with and people are giving them free stuff right and left uh, yep. more things than they can handle more things yes. than they can even figure out how to use and how to take in right yeah so i'm pretty i'm 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 two kids and i'm empathetic for their teachers and their administrators who are yeah, trying no to kidding. work in this new environment um but you know so this is what this client of mine did was really focus on um, best practice webinars on resources for, you know, free resources for helping kids learn at home, for engaging families, you know, things that they could do to basically be a partner and a, a guide um, to help them use their product better, right? yeah, their existing exactly. product better. and To get more out of it. To get more out of it, right. And, yeah. and so people are sticking with them um, because they you know, they feel confident that they're going to be able to make the most of the product and, um, and also that the company understood them, you know, and where they were and had some empathy for where they were in that moment. I love it. Gosh, we could talk, we could uh, bounce ideas off each other all day long. Now I know we'll have all your contact information on the show notes, but in case somebody wants to look you up right now, cause they can't wait to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? So my website, um, which is centerboard.com dash marketing.com. 
And one other place that I'll just add, um, you mentioned the book in the beginning, and I have a free resource that goes along with the book that is kind of an action guide for companies that want to start reevaluating their own brand and their own messaging mm -hmm. uh, with some activities that they can do on their own. And, and that page is brand-breakthrough.com. Okay. Brand-breakthrough.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Margie. Before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I guess get off the hamster wheel, right? <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> it's hard for all of us to do, you know, but I think we have to, we all have to do it and take that moment to step back. Wait, you're not, you're supposed to have that for my viewers, not just for me. I know you're just talking to me. <laughs> Unpack the suitcase. I have this, can I, I have this recurring dream that I'm at the airport with my suitcases and I have like 50 different suitcases. They're all small little bags of all these little suitcases all over and I have to carry them all in order oh. to get to the, um, you know, through security and onto the plane, but I can't carry them all myself. Oh, so, <laughs> just to tell you that I, I also have this issue. <laughs> so get people to help carry your suitcases or take fewer suitcases. <laughs> oh, you know, I, uh, I have a psychology background and I did a whole thing on oh, green yeah, therapy in college. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I, I can, I can break that down sister. <laughs> I love it. Margie, thank you so much for being a guest today. It has been such a pleasure and I'm so glad we're connected. Thanks. It was great talking with you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.